welcome to the Jason Sweeney Music Podcast. Music in Hospitals and Care is a charity providing live music for people in healthcare settings across the UK. The sessions are designed to reach and connect people, encourage communication, meaningful interaction and invoke emotion and memories. Since 1948, their aim has been to overcome barriers which prevent people, regardless of their health or well-being, from accessing therapeutic benefits of live music. From lullabies for babies and neonatal units to old favourites for those living with dementia, they deliver up to 5,000 live performances and music sessions a year and reach over 90,000 beneficiaries in hospitals, hospices, care homes, day centres, special schools and community settings to bring joy through live music. I caught up with Kirsten Knowles, who is one of the concert administrators, to find out more about her role and her love for music. So we're here with Kirsten, and I'm just going to really ask you a question, is how did you get into the role with music in hospitals and care? Well, I, I always say it's like the meeting of my two worlds, this job, because I, I studied music and then I worked in mental health support for a good few years, different projects, um, and I came across some sessions actually at the Royal Ed, Royal Edinburgh, um, and so when I saw this job, I knew I, I had an awareness of the organisation things and um, thought, that's for me, um, applied and was lucky to get it, <laughs> here I am. But yeah, it was it was nice because they don't often get to use music in in this way, and I don't think I'd, I'd not come from a background that was very kind of performance based. So um, it's nice; it suits me better to to still be in music, but in a way that, that fits better for me. So where did you study? At Napier, Edinburgh Napier. What was your first instrument? I did composition actually. I started on the classical course, um, and then switched to the pop course. The cool kids, <laughs> um, but mostly mostly because it was the classical course was really contemporary composition, so it was quite limited to that. Whereas on the pop course, you got to you still got to write string parts and and things for pop songs, um, but you also got to write songs of every genre, and it was just more just more my thing, more creative, I think. What was that four years or? Yeah, four four years, I think. And when was that, sorry? When was it? Uh, um, I graduated in 2008. Ah, right, so uh, we might have had a conversation with us before, but do you know Paul Ferguson for that? Yeah, yeah, so he yeah. was one of my lecturers. Really? Yeah. What a great he guy. Tech stuff. He's really, I think he's still there, still doing yeah, it. Yes, yeah. I. Um, yeah. I've got a sneaky feeling he might have doctor before he's front uh, name. I think most of them do that. Yeah. Do they? <laughs> well, they're all so fancy. I love it. I love it. I think he, he of all of them, I think has earned it. Ah, yeah, he's, um, he's a good egg. He was one of my um, the lecturers at Jolinesque back in the 90s yeah. when I first did my first music course. Right. But um, he was a bit of an inspiration. He, yeah. He's actually into Reiki. Really? The healing. Yeah. So he, he believes in the frequencies and the channeling of energies and mm. music. And, I like that. I wish mm-hmm. I'd done that at the time. <laughs> I was in Norway with him. Yeah. And I had a stomachache, and we were all going out. And he said to me, he says, now he was a lecturer at the time, he said, right, just lie down there, go all right, and I'm thinking, all right. <laughs> and then he went like that above me, probably about six inches away from my belly, and I felt this heat. 
He's a magician. He's a magician and a musician. Really, really good. Whoa. So, do you do what? As far as um, the composition, do you still write the now? I do. Um, I suppose I got I got into writing songs just for myself or for other people because I'm not. I say I'm not a performer. It's not my bag, but. Um, I like writing for other people and I like hearing what other people do with a kind of basic demo. Um, and then I played in other people's bands quite a bit, so I never really, I stopped writing a wee bit then. Um, and then I had a baby. <laughs> I don't really tend to do much more than nursery rhymes these days, but... Well, they take um, things away, don't they? It's still there though, that's what I always say, like it's like, it's now is not the time for me to be committed to that, but it's... I still, you know, when you're walking around and you still get the ideas and stuff, I still note them down and I don't have the same time to sit and write, but uh, it's still, I'll get back to it, another, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I think that's why I do that, I have so many phones that I can you just yeah, get, put the ideas, yeah. is that how you would do that or would you note yeah, them down? Or? I do a bit of both, it depends, if I'm just sitting diddling on a guitar or piano then I just, but I'll, I'll record an audio, I'll record kind of chord sequences or whatever. Um, if it's just words, I'll just type them on notes. That tends to be what happens is some a little phrase will come into my head or somebody will say something and I go, oh, that's good, I'll keep that for later and refer back to it when I get a bit of space and time to... So there's quite a difference between what you're doing in for the for the charity here yeah. than what I suppose you kind of studied for. It is quite different, but in some ways I, I like... I. You know, when I did composition at uni, even the composers in my class were, they were writing their own songs and they were writing them and recording them and performing them, whereas I was definitely writing for other people. And I kind of feel like it's a bit the same, like I'm not, I'm not the performing kind, but I feel like I am still doing the arrangements for, for a musician to go and do it. So it's sort of, sort mm -hmm. of I see it as a, still a, a, a vital role in it, but it's my comfort zone more than actually going out and being the performer, you know. Um, yeah, it's not quite it's not quite the same, but... A lot of people would probably ask you, you know, what, what the successes are of uh, what you do and all that sort of but what would you say was your challenge, your main challenge being in this role? Oh, um, it's tricky. I think, I think because I've got a musical background you get the sessions where the the staff are fully on board and fully engaged and really up for it um, and really see the benefits of it and so I'd say the challenge is when it's not like that and or maybe there's one person in the team who's really pushing for it but the rest of the team are just not convinced or don't see the benefit in the same way um, and it's it's trying to make a success of a session for the patients or the residents or whoever the audience is, um, despite one person or two people's opinion, you know, um, I always say, you know, we'll have a we'll have a session and it can look like nobody's really getting anything from it, but if you see one person in the corner of the room tapping their finger, it's like actually that could be quite a big thing for that person, and you you can't really make any assumptions about. How successful something is, and I think that does happen quite a lot. Where people, staff, who aren't that on board with it, will say, "Oh no, it's not, it's mm -hmm. not worth it," or it's you know, it doesn't it doesn't achieve anything. Or, um, 
and I find that hard because I know if I was in that situation, I'm not someone who would necessarily be up dancing or you know be making a big show of it, but I could be quietly in the corner having a really kind of moving experience or um, really getting a lot from it, and I think it's hard to measure that really. But would it be fair to say that? The, the, the feedback that you guys receive after the concert is really important from obviously the musician from you know the, the claims to the, 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 the actual key stakeholders or the carers or the staff that yeah. they send that and that, that's really key to, to for you isn't it? It is and in a lot of ways it is I mean it's on a practical level it's useful for us to see what what musicians have worked well in different settings and any that haven't um, and in terms of feeding back to funders we need to know how the sessions have gone, they want to know how it's gone, they want to see that they've contributed to something that's been a, of benefit um, and I think just as a reminder as well, one, we don't often get to go to sessions so mm. reading about all the, those moments that people have is is really it's really useful to see that, just to remember when you're organising hundreds of concerts and people are cancelling and things are going wrong, just to remember that every single one that you're arranging is actually, could be quite special. You know? mm -hmm. So do you feel that you could get more, that, that would be great to get more support from the musicians to remind the staff on the day that how important feedback is or is that yeah. something you would rather they didn't get involved in? or? I think it's tricky because you want the feedback to be completely honest and I think we've looked at whether musicians could gather that but then if there was an issue you don't want necessarily that to go through the musicians or um, I think the best way to measure how successful it is, is is to be there to see it you know visuals photos videos that kind of thing because it is music. It's a, it's you know, it's the sound and an experience, and you can only write so much down to get that across, you know. And it does. We start. I'm guilty of it myself, but I start to read the same sort of feedback. Everyone had a great time. Everybody was up dancing, having fun, and it, I, I start to become a bit immune to that. Whereas for them, you know, everyone up dancing is is a great mm -hmm. hour or so in that care home or. But I just go, oh, same thing again, you know? Whereas mm. if you were actually there and saw everybody up dancing and having a nice time, it would be, you know, it would have a much bigger impact, so. Yeah, yeah. So, what, what, knowing what you know now, what's the one thing that you wish you had known at the start of this career? Um, <laughs> lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> I, for me, in terms of the music industry as a whole, I sort of wish I'd... I'd known or accepted that there was there was this pressure, you know, when you're learning an instrument as a kid, you're learning other people's songs and, you know, then you start doing gigs and it, there's this kind of performance is almost the way into the music industry, I think. And I just kind of went along with that and at uni everybody was a superstar, you know, everybody wanted to be famous or wanted to be successful and I think I wish I'd accepted earlier on or explored earlier on this working in this part of the industry or or even just writing songs. I wish I'd be more confident about being happy writing for other people and, and just a bit more supported in that and, and I think people might not see this job as 
working in the industry, but the way I've come to it, I do see it as that, and I feel like having the musical knowledge is, is helpful towards that. Um, so yeah, I wish I'd just moved in this direction a bit earlier, probably, um, and explored it a bit earlier. Who would you say the, are the three people that have most influenced you in music, whether it be favourite songs or artists or anything yeah. like that? What's, what's the three that come to mind straight away? It's dead hard that, isn't it? Because we listen to so much stuff and it changes all the time as well. But um, a, a staple band of mine are the Staves. I'm absolutely obsessed with them. Like, um, I love a good harmony, but they're three sisters and I think being sisters makes it that much mm. more... They say that. Smooth or something. Mm. There's something really quite magical about it, so I'm obsessed with them. Um, I love Imogen Heap as well. She's like, in terms of the, her use of tech, she's incredible. It blows my mind. Um, and she did this thing. I've seen a few artists do it, but she released all the vocal parts for one of her tracks before it was released, and everyone else could make up their the rest oh, of the content and then upload it. And she was going through them all, so that was quite cool. Um, and just a different way to work. So from a composer's point of view, that was that was a fun exercise. But yeah, she's she's always when I've watched her recording albums and stuff, she she releases a lot of the process stuff, and um, I've always been quite into that. How she gets different sounds and she makes every single sound in her track she makes herself, and it, yeah, that's really cool. Um, how was that too? <laughs> I'm going to say, and hopefully he'll never hear this because he'll cringe, but my friend Rich Beebe, like, <laughs> he, he is, he has this really great ability to just write a killer song, and he's so humble and so kind of casual about it all, but he's, he's, he writes a brilliant song, and he, when I played in his band for a bit, he introduced me to different guitar tunings, like I'd always just used the standard one and strummed away at that, but, um, he showed me a few different ones and I've never never looked back. I, I really love that open guitar sound. Um, so he's probably changed changed oh, the songs that I write now a wee bit, I think. Do you tend to play guitar more? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I use guitar to write now. I used to use piano. Um, but I think guitar's just... It's just always there, it's you know, there. it's just, just easy. You it just, yeah. Well, yeah, I get it again. <laughs> <laughs> I say I get it, but it's the only one that I really play so <laughs> It's always there. Um, so did you, did you play piano as well? I'm one of those people that plays a little bit of lots of things, right. but nothing sort of to a great standard. I, I started violin and viola at school, and I was never really into that. Um, and then early teens, I was probably going off the rails a bit and my mum decided to get me some guitar lessons to keep me on track and it worked it was because <laughs> that honestly like it opened up that's when I started really listening to a lot of music and I started going to gigs and then I started doing a bit of writing and that was it was a good move from the mum but um yeah and then at piano I did have a few lessons at one point but I just there was always a piano in the practice room and I just, you know, kind of got to grips with it. Again, I don't play anything incredibly, but I play little bits of lots of things. <laughs> well, where can listeners find out more about uh, Music and Hospitals and Care Online? Yeah, we're, we're on all the socials, so um, 
we're at MIHC UK or there's a separate Scotland page for most of them so it's at MIHC Scotland um, and our website is mihc.org.uk so everything you need to know is on there. Catherine, thank you so much, appreciate that. Brilliant. Thank you for having me. As Kirsten mentioned, to find out more about music in hospitals and care, please visit them at mihc.org.uk or follow them on social media at mihcuk. What struck me about Kirsten was how her love for music is where it is really all rooted from. She absolutely enjoys being involved in the charity, booking the concerts and knowing what she does is the opening the gates to the musicians walking through the door and bringing the joy uh, to the patients, our clients. Full circle, everybody that I've spoke to, certainly everything roots back to the same thing. It all starts from what they love about music itself and they all seem to have a deep understanding of exactly what music does. So here's to music, long may it continue and thanks for listening.